Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 1. Flee for safety, people of Benjamin. Flee from Jerusalem. Sound the trumpet in Tekoa. Raise the signal over Beth Hakarim. For disaster looms out of the north, even terrible destruction. First, Jeremiah warns his own people of the tribe of Benjamin to leave Jerusalem. 2. I will destroy daughter Zion, so beautiful and delicate. Jerusalem is like a beautiful, delicate daughter to the Lord, because that's the beautiful city that he always declared to represent heaven, and that is the city that Christ will dwell in for a thousand years. It's also the city that he was crucified outside of, and it's the capital of the tribe of Judah, the kingly tribe. 3. Shepherds with their flocks will come against her. They will pitch their tents around her, each tending his own portion. The Babylonians will send their flocks of sheep to surround Jerusalem and feed off of the pasture that should be the pasture for the Lord's people's sheep. 4. Prepare for battle against her. Arise, let us attack at noon. But alas, the daylight is fading, and the shadows of evening grow long. 5. So arise, let us attack at night and destroy her fortresses. They would have attacked in daylight, but I guess when they arrive it will be getting toward evening, so they'll go straight for the fortresses which are easy to locate. 6. This is what the Lord Almighty says, Cut down the trees and build siege ramps against Jerusalem. This city must be punished. It is filled with oppression. That is the oppression of people oppressing people, the rich taking advantage of the poor, and it's also the oppression of demons controlling people through sin. And the Lord says that this city will be punished, so he instructs the Babylonian army to start building siege ramps. 7. As a well pours out its water, so she pours out her wickedness, violence, and destruction resound in her. Her sickness and wounds are ever before me. Sin brings violence and destruction into our lives. Violence isn't always physical. Sometimes it's emotionally brutalizing people or harming them financially or in other ways. The violence that comes into our lives from sin also wounds us. It wounds us emotionally, psychologically, sometimes physically, and financially. It can also wound our future. Some people don't have children because of the sins of their past, or they don't have a spouse because of the sins of their past. And these wounds are in the flesh, which is our worldly life. The flesh is our self-will, and that's why we have to crucify the flesh, die to ourselves, and then we can be healed. I'm talking about spiritual restoration. As long as your flesh is alive, it's going to walk around wounded from all of your sins. And that's why we're told to die to ourselves so that the wounded selfish flesh isn't walking around anymore. And that's why Christians get so much wholeness and healing from the Lord that it's as if nothing ever happened to us. It's as if we never were a prostitute, or we never were a drug dealer, or we never did commit adultery, because the healing is so deep in the spirit. But Jerusalem hasn't been healed. 
because it's walking in the flesh of sin. It's living for itself. 8. Take warning, Jerusalem, or I will turn away from you and make your land desolate so no one can live in it. The Lord is telling them over and over to repent and obey him, and then he will preserve a remnant. Even though he's allowing the Babylonians to attack, he won't totally desolate the land or keep the Babylonians in Jerusalem forever. 9. This is what the Lord Almighty says, Let them glean the remnant of Israel as thoroughly as a vine. Pass your hand over the branches again, like one gathering grapes. The Lord wants a remnant of people to be saved, but he's going to allow the Babylonians to take anyone who still sins captive, and most of the people are still sinning. 10. To whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them. They find no pleasure in it. Whether a person claims to be a Christian or not, you really know if they're a Christian by whether or not they enjoy talking about Jesus and the Bible. If they change the subject or walk away, you can be really sure that they don't know Jesus. Because when you know Jesus, you love to talk about him. But when you don't know Jesus, his law and his words are offensive. They put a damper on your day because they remind you of your sin. The Israelites didn't want to hear about the Lord because his words reminded them of their sin. 11. But I am full of the wrath of the Lord, and I cannot hold it in. Pour it out on the children in the street and on the young men gathered together. Both husband and wife will be caught in it, and the old, those weighted down with years. Even the elderly and the wives and the children were sinning in Jerusalem, so the Lord was going to punish all of them. 12. Their houses will be turned over to others, together with their fields and their wives, when I stretch out my hand against those who live in the land, declares the Lord. The Babylonians would take some of these Israelite women for themselves. They might even rape some of the women, but a lot of these men would lose all of their property and their wives. 13. From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. Everybody was telling lies and creating their own fantasy religion that they could live by. And we see this today. We see people all over the internet telling lies about God and his word and creating their own fantasy religion that other people want to follow. Even the young and the old in Israel were following false religion because it allowed them to fulfill all of their hedonistic desires. 14. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say when there is no peace. The same thing will happen right before the tribulation. False prophets will pronounce that the Lord is bringing peace on the earth, and actually some of them have already pronounced it. In reality, the tribulation is coming, and we have to repent now while we have time. When the Lord was wounding the Israelites, they were just dressing their wound and saying, Oh, it's nothing. God is going to be really good to us tomorrow instead of heeding the message and repenting of their sins. 
15. Are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. They weren't even embarrassed about their sin. Sometimes when you talk to certain Christians and you point out that what they're doing is a sin, they're very arrogant and they basically tell you to shut up. One time I was teaching in a Christian school and I was explaining some of the Bible to these students, some of God's laws, and they literally started yelling and screaming at me in chorus, telling me that they already knew it and they didn't want to hear it. The truth was they didn't know it, and they didn't want to hear it because it would convict them, and they didn't want to be convicted. 16. This is what the Lord says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, We will not walk in it. The ancient paths in this verse are the ancient laws of the Lord that were given to the children of Israel in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. But they don't want to know those laws anymore. They just wanted to go their own way. That's how established religion is today. There are so many rules in the churches, but all those rules are man-made. It's not actually the Levitical law that they're teaching us. They're teaching us their own law. For instance, if you're living with a boyfriend, you can go to church every Sunday and the pastor will never once confront you about your sin. This is true in many churches. But if the church revenue starts to decrease, then the leadership will take note and they'll have sermon after sermon, week after week, about how you should be giving an offering. 17. I appointed watchmen over you and said, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, We will not listen. A watchman is a prophet who tells the people to repent. And the trumpet sound means that Jesus is coming. And that's what watchmen should be saying today. They should be saying, Jesus is coming in the sky. And you need to repent now before he gets here. And the watchmen of Jeremiah's time should have been saying, The Babylonians are coming. But Jeremiah was the only prophet who was saying this, and they refused to listen to him. 18. Therefore hear, you nations, you who are witnesses, observe what will happen to them. 19. Hear, you earth, I am bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their schemes, because they have not listened to my words and have rejected my law. The Lord is telling the entire world, which would be the Babylonian Empire and any other nation that existed, to watch and see how he was going to punish his children. He was going to make them examples for the rest of the world, to encourage the rest of the world to repent. 20. What do I care about incense from Sheba or sweet calamus from a distant land? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable. Your sacrifices do not please me. If we're practicing sin, but we still want to give the Lord something, share our money with the poor, or pay for Bibles in China, the Lord isn't pleased with that if we don't repent first. It doesn't pull the wool over his eyes. He still sees our sin. 21. Therefore, this is what the Lord says, 
I will put obstacles before this people. Parents and children alike will stumble over them. Neighbors and friends will perish. The Lord says that the people of Jerusalem are so stubborn against him that he's going to allow their hearts to be even harder and more stubborn so that they bring more punishment upon themselves. This is similar to what he did with Pharaoh in Egypt. Pharaoh's heart was already hard, but the Lord allowed it to become more hard so that Pharaoh would make even worse decisions that would damage his kingdom. The Lord is going to allow the Israelites to be stupid enough to not listen to Jeremiah and actually believe that they could conquer the Babylonians. 22. This is what the Lord says, Look, an army is coming from the land of the north. A great nation is being stirred up from the ends of the earth. 23. They are armed with bow and spear. They are cruel and show no mercy. They sound like the roaring sea as they ride on their horses. They come like men in battle formation to attack you, daughter Zion. The Babylonian army had so many swift horses that they sounded like ocean waves when they were coming on their way to Jerusalem. That would be very terrifying. 24. We have heard reports about them, and our hands hang limp. Anguish has gripped us, pain like that of a woman in labor. The people of Jerusalem were very arrogant and expected to fight the Babylonians. When the Babylonians showed up, the people of Jerusalem realized that there was no way to defend themselves. 25. Do not go out to the fields or walk on the roads, for the enemy has a sword and there is terror on every side. The people had to hide from the enemy. 26. Put on sackcloth, my people, and roll in ashes, mourn with bitter wailing as for an only son, for suddenly the destroyer will come upon us. When you lose your only child, especially a firstborn son who is going to carry your legacy, you feel like you have lost everything, including your own identity. And that's how the Israelites would feel when the Babylonians showed up. Jeremiah is telling them to mourn as if they have lost their very identity because they have. They've lost their identity as children of God. 27. I have made you a tester of metals and my people are the ore, that you may observe and test their ways. I believe the Lord is talking to Jeremiah, telling him that he can test the people of Jerusalem, but the Lord could also be talking to Babylon, telling Babylon to test the people of Jerusalem. 28. They are all hardened rebels, going about to slander. They are bronze and iron. They all act corruptly. Bronze and iron are mixed metals. The people are mixed in their religion. They tried to mix their heavenly father in with their idol worship. 29. The bellows blow fiercely to burn away the lead with fire, but the refining goes on in vain. The wicked are not purged out. He's using a metaphor of purifying metal, saying that even though he punished the Israelites many times, they never became purified because of their punishment. That's like somebody going to prison time after time, but they never learn to stop sinning. They just get harder and harder, 
and that's what the Israelites had done spiritually. 30. They are all called rejected silver, because the Lord has rejected them. He put them in the refining furnace, but they never turned into silver, let alone gold, so they weren't even like baby Christians or baby children of God. They couldn't even be refined at the most basic level. A lot of people like to say that God is so mean because he punishes us, but he is so long-suffering. He waited many generations before he brought this punishment on the Israelites. This didn't happen on day one. And the Lord is long-suffering far more than he is a God of vengeance. But he has every right to get vengeance when he finally does. And this concludes Jeremiah chapter 6.